Hi, and welcome to season five of Business Book Talk. Hope you're going to enjoy this new season. I'm really excited about it. I'm sure you will really enjoy some of the books that we have planned. So let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody, it's Bob again, and I've got How to Write an Inspired Creative Brief, second edition, by Howard Eibach. So let's just jump right into the book because it's it's a fascinating book. It's broken up into lots of little pieces. It's a really short book. It uh, is actually shorter than I usually allow in this show, but it was so fascinating reading the book that, and really, if you expanded it and looked at all the things you're actually learning by reading this book, it would be several hundred pages more because you've broken it up so brilliantly into these different sections. It kind of flows so nicely. But I I wanted to ask you, could could I get away with jumping around in the book or it's a book that you have to read basically cover to cover? Wow. I've been asked a lot of questions, Bob, but I don't think that one's come up. Um, I, I, I think it just depends upon your familiarity with the subject. If you are practicing a creative or any kind of advertising professional and you're familiar with the document, you probably could jump around. If you're brand new to it, then I would say it probably would serve you better to start at the beginning. But for the purposes of your conversation, we can we can jump around any anywhere you'd like. <laughs> okay. Um, let's chat a little bit about uh, Creative Brief, the concept of Creative Brief, because uh, I'm constantly fixing people creative creative briefs you know you get a client and you say hey can you send me a creative brief of what you really want to do and then you wait a week and you call them back and say hey how's that creative brief going and they go um we're working on it and then they will send you send you something which is not a creative brief it's just a bunch of words stuck together so uh for our listening audience what would you recommend how how does one get their head around what a creative brief has to accomplish that's a great question. I guess the analogy that I like to use is this. Bob, have you ever bought a piece of furniture at Ikea? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, most of the time, that box of stuff requires assembly, right? Have you ever had the unfortunate case where the box opens up, you've got all the pieces lying on the floor, and there are no instructions? Well, I've, uh, I'm have i a bit of a handyman, and I, I rarely look at the instructions, and then I'll go back to the instructions when I get stuck. Sure. Well, you know, I had a seventh grade science teacher, Mr. Bredesen, and he had a sign up on the wall that I never forgot. He said, when all else fails, read the directions. But my analogy is, if you give a bunch of professionals a box of parts and say, put them together, they'll figure it out. Just like you or I, you know, and I've sat down with a box of pieces from from a piece of Ikea furniture, and I figured it out without necessarily reading the directions. The creative brief is designed to get you from point A to point B in a straight line. It's an objectives document. It's a roadmap. It's the first step of the creative process before any ideas are batted around. It lays out what it is that you're trying to accomplish. It's not the end of the process, it's the beginning of the process. But it's very much analogous to a set of instructions on how to get there. If you don't have one of these things, professionals will figure it out, but why waste the time? It's time and money. So it's a way to get from point A to point B quickly, efficiently. Do you think creative briefs are almost like a workshop ex- workshop experience where you're sitting down with a client and kind of working out what their expectations are, um, trying to guide them and, and help them get 
uh, what they want to have at the end of the day? Or is it something that you can basically say, okay, you do the creative brief and then I'll give you some questions after reading your creative brief? Actually, the creative brief is the ad agencies or the freelance creative team's response to what is typically called a client brief or a Marcom brief. In other words, the client, and it could be you know your local retail store and you're just a freelance copywriter, or it could be Ford Motors and its, it's a relationship with its big ad agency, whatever it happens to be, the client says, this is what we want. And it's usually set up in a form of a, of a document and they call it a client brief. The ad agency is responsible for responding to that brief with its client brief. It's as if it's saying, this is what we think you're asking for. So the creative brief is the responsibility of the ad agency. The client brief is the res responsibility of the client. By using the word creative, I think a lot of people get off track. And, and think of it this way. It's like a clarity brief. It's like, this is what we kind of got from what you were requesting. And I don't think... You know, the, the, the teachings you have in the book and, and the guidance, it doesn't necessarily have to be about uh, what you would do with an advertising agency or what you would do with uh, anybody creative. You could use this process uh, if you were working with an engineer. I mean, if you want something built, a lot of people say, oh, we're going to get some engineers and we're going to get this device built so our factory can be more functional. Well, that's a very – you're asking something for somebody to create something. So that means they need a creative brief. But most people don't think uh, that way outside of the advertising world, outside of the design world. And nine times out of 10, a creative brief approach to um, a client's request might be exactly what your client needs. I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, I like your term clarity brief. Clarity is a word I use a lot when I'm teaching my college students on writing compositions. Clarity is about, again, I, I like the analogy of getting from point A to point B in a straight line, being concise, getting to the point. It's about um, efficiency. Uh, I, I, have, I have a perspective on this document beyond just what it, what it, how it works in an ad agency. And to your point, I think it makes a lot of sense for, for entrepreneurs and small businesses and, and uh, um, sole proprietors to help them have a clearer understanding of what it is that they're trying to accomplish in the business world. So it has a, it has far broader use than just between a client and its advertising agency. Mm. It also enables um, people to have a much clearer idea of what their expectations are. And, and, you know, people say, yeah, well, that's obvious, but it's not. A lot of times when you ask somebody to do X, you have a picture in your mind, which is completely off base. It's, totally unrealistic for the budget that, you, that you've uh, allotted for that particular project or it's way off base or it's not going to actually do what you need it to do. And part of the creative brief uh, process is learning actually what you need. And I think that has that part of the creative brief creation is you and your client or, or whoever you're going to be working with. And this can be interdepartmental, right? It could be one department talking to another department in a or, larger organization. The ability for you guys to understand what is actually needed and whether you're going down the wrong path to save time and energy. Yeah, precisely. I mean, this, this could be a document between two people. I mean, two, two, two entrepreneurs who are combining their brain power to start a new business 
and they want to clarify exactly what they're trying to accomplish. Who are we talking to? What problem are we trying to solve? Why do they care? How do I know that they care? You know, one of the problems that I, I see that um, ad agencies in particular, but other organizations face, is this siloed approach to problem solving. It's the, it's the account management's job to write the creative brief. It's the creative department's job to do the creative. I think there should be collaboration between the account people and the creative people when it comes to doing this brief. Creatives work in teams. Copywriters and ad art directors have teamed up for decades. That's the model. Two brains are better than one. You've got built-in, for lack of a better term, BS detectors between each, each person. Unfortunately, I see that the creative brief has been done as a solo project. One person sits down and tries to figure out how to answer these questions. That's a mistake. So whether it's done between two departments, between um, two companies, or between two partners, it's a way to clarify. I wanted to ask you, when dealing with uh, a client that doesn't get the concept of creative brief, what's the best way to approach that? Um, I wrote a blog post on that very on that very topic not recently or not too long ago and it was a way to to um, test that very subject and as a, as a guy who spent his most of his creative career in direct response my answer is to do an AB split so if you're not familiar with with direct response an AB split is to, is essentially testing um, an idea with two different approaches in this case you can um, establish a project where one team tackles the project with a creative brief, the other team tackles that same project without a creative brief, and to see what the difference is. Now, if your organization isn't large enough to where you have that many teams, then you have to tackle it slightly differently. You would probably take projects that are, that are similar um, and do one project with a creative brief and one without. But I think that's a way to demonstrate that the information that is presented in a brief and the, and the um, objectives that are stated clearly in a brief will help the team responsible for doing the work get to the best solutions quickest, in, mo in the most quickest fashion. And um, on brief, on target, on objective, sooner. So I'm just a guy who always, has always believed in, in testing. I think that's the best way to, to see how, how well a creative brief would work. Mm. Well, for me, a lot of times what I'm doing is with creative briefs or, or with trying to communicate with clients is get the BS out of the way and, and the miscommunication happen, have that happen as soon as possible. So if you're doing a great creative brief, a lot of it is back and forth and bitching and complaining and uh, what are you crazy? You can't do it this way. And no, no, it's not going to work. And it sounds like a lot of <clears throat> arguing, but really it's much better to do that over the phone or, or over a series of emails than to do it when you're knee deep in a project spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And who says there has to be one brief? Mm, good point. Why does there have to be one brief? And now when I say one brief, I don't necessarily mean one document. I mean the, the, the essence of the brief is the proposition. Why does there have to be one proposition? Again, I, I come from a direct response background where I like to test things. So there's, not, there's no one way into a creative solution. So 
let's let's experiment. Let's try something that goes down path A, path B, and path C. If you've got the creative resources to take that approach, my goodness, why not? But there doesn't have to be one one way into it. I, I really like your your thinking though, Bob. It's the idea of let's let, let's do a little brain pre-brainstorming. Let's establish some boundaries here. I think the best way to guarantee good creative solutions is to is to restrict your creative team. The more you restrict the creative team, the more liberated they are. It's called creative restriction. That that idea that the tighter the box you 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 hem me in with, the freer I feel. It's kind of a contradiction, but it's it's actually quite true. Yeah, well, it works a lot with um, what would you call it? Uh, making decisions as an artist, the the the. The less your tools can do, the more focused the idea is going to be and the more razor sharp the artist has to be. So if you're – it goes way back to if you're an art director trying to choose a photographer. Well, you're not choosing a photographer that's your buddy. You're choosing a photographer that has a portfolio that actually shows you the style that's going to work based on the creative brief. And I think a lot of – agencies and, and art directors get themselves in trouble because they have their favorite guy that they love to go to and shoot because they have a good time. And then they're forcing that photographer to mimic other people's styles to fit the creative brief instead of hiring the specialist that just does that particular type of food photography, let's say. And you go in and it's way clearer. That photographer can give you great insight, which will improve the creative brief, blah, blah, blah. So part of the creative brief is understanding that, okay, if they want to accomplish X, who are the team members that I'm going to bring to play or who are the freelancers that I'm going to bring in to show the client saying, hey, Based on what we've been talking back and forth, I would really like to use this guy. Here are a couple of portfolio samples that kind of illustrate what we're going to get at the end of the day. Precisely. Yes. It's, it's the right resources for the, to, to, to solve the problem at hand. I agree. But if you don't have a creative brief and you don't have a conversation going and warmed up, it's hard to do that. So part of the creative brief, I feel, is the ability to, to – Get things going and, and getting over the hump of, of uh, the, especially if it's a new client, um, if they're touchy about certain things, what their emotional state's like, all those type of things, instead of saying, oh, here's the photographer we're going to use at uh, to start. And they go, oh, I don't like that person. Then you're screwed. It's much better to, like you say, through the creative brief, warm up the conversation. And then the more difficult things that you're trying to get approved that's when you bring them into play. So a, a good creative brief or a creative brief conversation back and forth has a lot more power than just clarification. Well, as I've, as I've said since I began writing and talking about this, this topic mm. in 2008, the creative brief is, is just a template. And I've seen too much focus on what the template looks like or what the questions are. When in fact the, ba the, the basis and the, and the reason that it exists is the answers to those questions. So there's, you know, I've seen dozens and dozens of iterations of the same kind of, of brief, all different versions of similar questions. So no matter how you, f you frame those questions, that doesn't matter. It's how you answer the questions. It's the con content is always king, as they say. Yes, I'm a, I, I guess that's a long-winded way of saying I agree with you. <laughs> uh, it, it is the place where you arrive at 
um, your point of agreement so that you have a way forward. You know, the, another analogy that I like to make is when you're, when you're a kid, you remember playing the game called the telephone game, usually in five or six years old, and one kid leans over to the one right next to him and whispers something into his ear. And then that kid has to whisper what he heard to the next person. And that person has to whisper what he or she heard to the next person. So by the time it has gone all the way around the circle of five or six or seven people, it has changed substantially because it got reinterpreted six, seven, eight times. So by the time it reaches the person who originated the message, it is almost always fundamentally different. That's what it's like to do a creative project without a creative brief. Yeah, a lot of disappointments. Whereas if you have something written down, it's the bar against which you measure the work that's been, been, been asked to be completed. You know, now you mentioned uh, just a little bit ago uh, that creative brief doesn't have to be the same, that they can be all over the place. But, you know, in Chapter 11, you talk about what does a creative brief have to have in it? What, what, does it, what are the elements of a creative brief that makes for a good creative brief? Uh, can we discuss those points? Sure. So what do you think are the key questions that have to be brought up in a creative brief? Well, I think it comes down to the, the core. I think I have about nine or ten questions that, base, that, that serve as the, the core questions for a brief. But you could, you could edit it down to even fewer than that, depending upon really what it is that your objectives are. I, I think you have to understand um, who it is you're talking to. Who is, your, who is your audience? What do you know about that audience? What kind of an insight can you, can you arrive at about your potential consumer, your potential buyer? Um, what is a problem that you're trying to solve? Um, what are the key things that you have to say? What are the key benefits of your product? And then among those benefits, you need to arrive at the one that stands out above the others. And that ultimately becomes the proposition. Now, the three, the two or three things that are the key messages, one of which becomes the proposition, is it's it's not an automatic A therefore B. There's a little bit of a a kind of creative magic that goes on, which is where the the the, the writer of the brief or the, the writing team, which is how I prefer to see it accomplished put their heads together and figure out what is this, this first ad because the creative brief, the creative brief's proposition has to be that first ad. It doesn't have to be a good ad as John Hagerty likes to say, but it has to be good as a place to spark the idea. So an insight about the consumer, the key benefits of why this product or service is valuable, who am I talking to and what is this message that I'm trying to impart to the audience. That's basically four key questions. Now, there are other things that, that add to the depth and breadth of the brief. Um, you know, there's certain requirements, uh, branding, branding ideas, branding guidelines, um, you know, certain mandatories, budget, things like that. But the, the, if you can reduce the brief to its essence, I would say it would be those four things. Every brief must contain at least those four ideas or answers to those four questions to get the creative team started. Now, at what point does a creative brief become too overwhelming? 
um, that we've done a lot of back and forth. Is, is there or should there be a stage where you kind of get it where the client's happy, you're happy, and then you say, great, we're just going to simplify this, strip out all the basic stuff, uh, the learning and all that type of stuff, and get it down to its core so it's more um, efficient in, in its communication. Yeah. That requires building trust between the client and the and the creative team or the agency, um, and there's there's really no substitute for that bonding, um, which is why I, I think it's so important that the that the creative entity, whether it's an agency or a freelance team, work closely with the client to have, help them fashion their client brief. The client brief really is the responsibility of the ad agency to make sure that the client does it. I've, I've written a blog post on that too. Um, because then the, the client is committing to what it is that it's asking for. And once that exists, then the creative brief, brief can, can be the response. And when, when you have that, that relationship between the, the client and the agency where the client provides the agency with its, its directive – and the agency responds with a brief, then it's a lot easier to respond with a very short one, possibly two pages of clear, concise objectives. And of course, the other thing I like to, to point out, everybody who's done this should know this, that a proposition is not necessarily for public consumption. So it can be a little off the wall. It can be a little outrageous because it's not meant to be an actual piece of communication. It's designed to communicate the essence, the, the emotional core of the message. Um, I, I look back on my experience at Team One Advertising in El Segundo, the agency of record for Lexus automobiles. And when I was working there in the 1990s, Lexus asked us, Lexus was preparing to completely relaunch the LS, um, it was the LS 300. It was the production sports sedan. At the time, it was considered the fastest production sedan in the, in the, in the world. And they were re redesigning it from top to bottom. Um, and the creative brief for that project had a proposition that said, uh, the LS 300 is the kick-ass Lexus. You know, that was never going to be a headline. That wasn't going to be a, a line of copy anywhere. But it communicated very clearly to the creative team, okay, we have to show that this thing really – kicks butt. This thing is fast. This thing is powerful. Now, you can argue that the creative that came out of that was good or bad, but it did reflect that brief. The creative was, um, um, it was visuals of the car driving down country lanes and everything in its path bursts into flames. And there was a line that read, something wicked this way comes. So I, I would say that that reflected the brief, but that brief itself, meaning the proposition, was, was considered like a private communication. I imagine there might have been some discomfort on the part of the client when, when in, in the case of Lexus, because Lexus had a committee in, in Japan, it wasn't a single individual, it was a committee. Uh, when they viewed that, that line, they, they might have felt uncomfortable with it until the agency reminded them, this is not going to be for public consumption. So there's this whole process is designed to build uh, a, to bond between client and, and agency, and I think you'd agree, Bob, that uh, the kinds of relationships that 
agencies and clients had in the 60s and 70s and 80s has gone away. That, that long-term relationship is a rarity these days, which you know, is, is sad, but it's true. Anything that you can do to build that tight relationship is going to help. And this is, a, this is a document that's designed to do that. You basically hit on, I think, the most important thing about a creative brief is the trust-building exercise where uh, you're able to have your back and forth with the client. You both have aha moments. You both have clarification on the product that you're trying to market or communicate uh, the features about. But be that as it may, really the, the big thing is, as you said, Everything is uh, the short-term relationships now in, in marketing communication because things are moving so fast that the luxury of being able to make mistakes or be fumbling around when you're in the process, you just can't afford that anymore. So it really is becoming a critical part of your uh, toolkit to do this exercise, this creative beef exercise. And and maybe that's the way to look at it. It's not a response. It's an exercise because an exercise is something that you know has fluidity. You're going to have the back and forth. It's an open document. It's a live document. Nobody worries about changing stuff or starting from scratch when they realize that they'd be going down the wrong uh, direction with that actual uh, communication piece. So... Uh, I wanted to ask you for people that are, are struggling with, you know, creative briefs and they have a client that's kind of not getting it and, and giving them a lot of pushback. What do you think is a good strategy to help them um, get that client on side and, and get them to understand that there, there has to be some changes made or it's going to be a fiasco? Well, let me, let me see if I can clarify your question. Are you, are you saying that um, a client that does not use or recognize the validity of a creative brief or one that has a brief but that's, the brief itself isn't working? I think both. I mean, it, it's uh, somebody that doesn't believe in creative brief, you can just always change the wording. Uh, but fundamentally, regardless of what it's called, uh, this uh, the response or I have some questions or here's a creative brief or our, our thoughts on your thoughts, um, if they just kick back and say, no, I want it to be this way and that's the way it's got to be. How do you start the conversation with that person? Because sure, you can say, okay, we'll do it your way. And then uh, the project will be a disaster and everybody loses. Or you can be more responsible and more professional and say, hey, we want to get more out of it. We need to get feedback from this person. What's a great strategy to get them to open up? Well, what I'm hearing is really not so much about the creative brief, but about the creative itself. Well, or, or the client. It, it's maybe, maybe I'm not asking. It's their, their anticipation, their vision isn't real in the sense that because of budgets or whatever, or the product doesn't fit what they want to do. How do you start the conversation to kind of get them off that positioning ledge and get them into a, a, a position where they're willing to compromise a little bit on their idea or their vision? Hmm. Yeah, I guess if I had if I had the absolute answer to that question, I'd be rich beyond the dreams of avarice, <laughs> right? That's the question that everybody's asking, and I asked that question for thirty years as I was an you know practicing advertising creative, because it, it comes down to um, I like green and I don't want to see blue. That's a simplistic answer to to your 
to your um, universal conundrum. But that's kind of what it comes down to. Um, th that's why I, I think even if you have to do a, a brief on your own and it's surreptitious and, and the client doesn't know it exists, you have this document that you follow. Again, I go back to my experience with Lexus. I, I, I cut my teeth in a lot of ways in, in my creative work at, at that account because it was the 800-pound gorilla at Lexus. It's you know, their, only, their only really client. Uh, I, I think that's probably still true today. Uh, and they had, a very, they had quite a bizarre approval process. And I remember when we were doing work on the relationship marketing department, which was where I, I worked, and they would rotate people into the, each department for 18 months and rotate them out. So I, I often, I, in my, the course of my tenure at, at Lexus, I worked with three different groups of clients. It, it, it's the opposite of the agency experience, where the agency goes through people and the client stays the same. Here, the client rotates out. So we, I, I had an encounter with a, a senior marketing person who couldn't make up his mind. So we finally, we finally took sections of the brief and put them on poster on, on post-it boards, so that uh, we would, before we would even present the creative, we would remind the client, "This is what you agreed to in our conversation." We had it in writing, and then we would present the work and say, "This this matches your brief." It wouldn't stop him from changing his mind, but it gave him pause. And, he's, and we would say, okay, we're happy to make these changes at your request. And now we have to go back to the drawing board and we'll, it'll, it'll require us a little extra time. It didn't change his thinking, but it did. It didn't change his thinking completely, but he started to, to, to do it a lot less often. I think that's one of the ways of doing it for sure. I mean, the, the, it's all about starting the conversation and and i think a lot of times with with uh juniors or, or, or agencies that are just starting out they pussyfoot around clients and they're so terrified of pissing off the client and losing the client that they lose perspective it, part of their job and responsibility is to make sure that the client gets what they're asking and a lot of times clients terrified working with an agency because oh, there's these creative guys and it's so outside of my world and oh, what am I going to do and I hope I don't sound like an idiot. They've got all that angst that they've got to deal with and, and really a great agency, um, at least account executive, working with, with that client is really a, their psychologist and, and trying to just get them uh, to understand that it's a process and there's going to be mistakes made and don't worry about it and da-da-da-da-da. Whereas if you just let the person go crazy and do his thing, then they don't know how far off base they are. So your your idea about bringing back their statements to, to reflect on them and say, okay, this is what you asked for and this is what that looks like. What do you think? And, and to a point where they start getting frustrated with themselves, of course, they get frustrated with you and not realizing that they're frustrated with themselves because they're driving all the, the wrong decisions and directions. But at least it enables them to say there is a consequence of just making all sorts of willy-nilly uh, statements. One of the worst-case scenarios is if you're there presenting an idea based on a creative brief and the guy says, I don't like it, but when you present me what I like, I'll let you know. It's like you got to stop the whole conversation. You say, well, okay, then we can't, we can't work with you. You got to have something that basically stops them in their tracks and makes them reconsider their statement. 
And, uh, you know, one of my famous ones is, love to do that, we'll send you a, a new quote. And they go, what do you mean? Well, we're starting from scratch, so now we're doing two jobs, so now it's, you know, $300,000 instead of one hundred and fifty. And they go, whoa, 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 we don't have an extra one hundred and fifty k. Uh C- couldn't what's going on here you're going to get me in trouble he said, yeah well you got us to do all this work and now you're rejecting it but it's what you asked for so now you're giving us a new thing so we're going to charge you again so you have two choices you can fire us and have the same thing happen with another client or agency or you can work with us and we'll help you get over that and we won't charge you the hundred and fifty thousand extra to do it all over again if we only do it one more time it's all about controlling the 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 expectations of a client and uh some clients are that bad you gotta get to that situation you gotta be able to be uh brave enough to walk out uh, on a client right i i agree and there are other way there are other scenarios to do that too you can you can you know i've i've had um situations where we show the client what they want we show the client what we think they need and yeah. We don't expect them to pick what we think they need, but we, we, we do not edit ourselves and show them and not show them what we think they need. So they get used to the idea of something that's a little scary, a little out of their comfort zone, but they see it. But now, but now what you're talking about, and you use the term psychologist, which is quite appropriate, you're talking about something outside the, 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 the parameters of the brief itself. The document is merely designed to contain information. It's how it's sold, how it's implemented into the process. That's where the, the people play the role. That's where the account people and maybe a senior creative, I've always advocated a senior account person and a senior creative collaborate to do this creative brief for the client so that both sides um, have a stake in it, not just one, need to work with the client. And again, that's... Um, my focus is on how to, to write this document to reflect as accurately and concisely as possible what it is that you're trying to do. What you're talking about is just as valuable, but it's, it's in addition to the document itself. It's the, the bonding and the relationship between the players that is so essential um, and that causes these problems. You know, I'm not comfortable doing that piece of creative. My boss will fire me if I recommend that, that piece of creative. That's just, we can't say that. That's too crazy. That, that finding a client who's outside his or her comfort zone, that's the challenge. When you're working with, uh, with a new client and uh, you're, you're going through the educational part of you know, getting them to understand the importance of the creative brief. They've given you a, a, a quick, sometime a, a quick note, a quick phone call. You've taken some notes and you respond, or they've given you an incredibly elaborate breakdown of what they need with all sorts of matrix and it's overboard. When you present your creative brief to a client, how do you present it in, in a way that you're going to get the best response from a client? And that's a tough question because, I mean, there's all sorts of answers to that. But you personally, you know, you've done many, many, many creative briefs and you've presented many creative briefs. There must be patterns that you've seen uh, based on the creative briefs and, and what the client gives back to you that you can see. It's like, oh, okay, nine times out of ten, you're going to kind of get these three kickbacks. I don't know how to answer your question, Bob. I was a creative copy, I was a copywriter and a creative director. I never wrote a brief in my career unless I absolutely had to. <laughs> I wrote this book in response to the, the 
year after year after year of awful briefs that I was forced to work from and finally got permission from my seniors at the one of the, one of the more recent agencies I work for to write a tutorial for my staff, my, my account staff, on how to do this. So I have never presented a creative brief to a client. It's not the creative's job to, cre- to present a creative brief to the client. I think it should be. I think the creative, a senior creative on an account should collaborate and meet with a senior account person with the client to present the creative brief and to get feedback. I think a senior creative and a senior account person should work together to brief the creative team or teams. This communicates instantly to the rest of the creative department that this creative person has a stake in this brief. But as, as for me personally, I've never done it. I've never done it. I, I worked in agencies that did not have creative briefs, and I, I ranted and raved as quietly and, and politely as I could to institute the document. And finally, someone said, fine, let's do it. You write it. I said, no, it's not my job. I'll help whoever wants to do this, but it's not my job to write the brief. So I, I don't have an answer to you. <laughs> I, I, you know, I spent almost 30 years in the business. I'm not a practicing creative anymore. I teach and I, and I write about the creative brief and I've written this book and I, I speak about it. I, I wish I had been more involved when I was in my career and I did step in and, and get involved because I think that's the way creatives should be. And I know creatives are probably saying, okay, what else do you want us to do? <laughs> we've got to deal with this and we've got to deal with that. We've got to deal with clients who don't like blue. We don't like clients who, who, who think they can write better than us. And now you want us to do the creative brief too? I say, yeah, we, you really should. I, I think uh, the more that the creative is involved with the client, the happier the client and I think the happier the creative are going to be. I think the problem with a lot of large agencies, at least when I work with them, is you know you had a 175-person creative team and then you had the account team and then you had the executives. And when you were going after a new account, um, the executives would arrive. You'd have the creative director and then you'd probably have the owner of the agency, the schmoozer, and uh, you would have really no... Um, in the trenches, people there. Now, luckily for me, I worked with this one agency and they'd bring me in because uh, as a freelancer because I was basically a pitch specialist. And we'd all sit around and 99% of the time, we just let the client go on and on and on. We'd all take notes. And then after that, we'd get back and say, what the heck did he need? And because we had no idea because they would. And then the creative brief was just us coming back with a bunch of questions like, oh, we think you meant this and we think you meant that. And the second brief was we presented the questions like, we think you meant this is, are we wrong or are we right? And after that, we were able to come back and and give them uh, a pretty solid creative brief. And that was, that team would go to um, the account executive that was responsible for that account and say, okay, this is what we've got. You've had a couple of meetings to figure out the client, make a creative brief. And and uh, I do remember one of the art directors in that agency, or the creative director of that agency, I came to him and I was really frustrated because we weren't getting the creative brief get, that we needed. And he said, look, Bob, just sit there, listen to what the client says, uh, nod yes to everything, and then after you finish the meeting, just go do exactly what you feel you need to do because that's probably what he really needs done. So, you know, the the thing with the agency, the style of the agency and, and what they're doing and how it's managed at the top end really affects 
uh, your ability to to work with something like uh, a document like a creative brief. And uh, me personally, I agree with you. I, I think the more that the people that are ultimately responsible for making the creative part, if they can get some human feedback from the client, then I think they would create much, much more accurate and more uh, compelling uh, ad copy and uh, visuals to go with the ad copy. But I, hey, that's a perfect world. I really like your idea. I mean, it, it seems it seems obvious, but I just want to make sure that that we we um, reiterate this because it if it isn't obvious, it it, it needs to be um, it needs to be, and that is that uh, in your in your conversation or conversations with the client, in listening to the and getting that download from the client, you draft multiple versions of a brief. This is your first this is your first draft. This is what we think you're saying. Did we get it right? No, 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 we need to change this. No, 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 we should add that. Yes, you got this right. You come back with another version of a brief or maybe just a set of answers to questions that you had. Until you f- feel comfortable that you're both on the same page and then you go and you write this document called a brief. I, that's a way of bonding. That's a way of clarifying back and forth so that you're on the same page. I like that idea. I I don't know how how whether or not that's the process in, in agencies, it, it should be. But I, you just gave me a, a, a blog post idea, so I thank you. I think, too, that um, you know, the account executive is the worst position. You know, if everybody, anybody ever offers you a job as the account executive, run. Because <laughs> basically, everybody hates you. The client's not satisfied because you're telling me you need more money or they're not happy with what you're presenting to them. And the art department hates your guts because you're not giving them a clear idea of uh, what they need to be doing or you're asking for too many changes and you're telling the client yes too much. So it's a horrible position and I think that is a book that needs to be written is how to be a kick-ass account executive Uh, because if you are a really good account executive, then everybody loves you. But it's very, very, very rare that you find somebody that can do that. And usually for me in my career, uh, the account executives that I love were usually the owners of the company and worked directly with their key clients and had an amazing relationship with them instead of somebody that was hired. So it, it's, it is a tough position to master. Um, and I think the great account executives that I work with were very, they'd wander around the agency and they'd visit people. They'd visit the writers, they'd visit the artists, they'd visit the creative director and they'd be, hey, what's going on? Are you got any problems? Blah, blah, blah. They were, they're like a salesperson. Um, they're, I hate to say something, not a sales, but they're, they're basically, they're the upsell specialist, right? They're, they're the customer service specialist. And uh, their job is basically get the client to spend more, even though they don't have it. Well, I think one of the best things that an account person can do, regardless of where they are on the ladder, is to recruit a creative person to help write that brief. And I also have have discussed on my blog um, what creatives can do to step up and volunteer to work with an account person. You know, in fact, one piece of advice that I've given an account person to find the ideal creative candidate for a collaborator is find the creative who bitches the most about the creative brief. That's the one who potentially can add the most to the conversation. If you can get that person on your side and say, okay, help me. I need your input on asking the right questions, formulating the answers into inspiring information for the brief. 
you get that person on your side, you'll have a, you'll have a, an ally, and I think that's the way to become a kick-ass account person because it's not something you should do by yourself. Creatives don't function independently. Why should account people do the same thing? Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, so we've been chatting about Inspired Creative Briefs, second edition. Howard, loved having you on the show, and, and, and I love that it was more of a conversation about two two guys chatting about the industry and, and the ins and outs and, and how a creative brief can work outside of that actual environment because I, I think it's key. It brings a lot more value to uh, what you say in the book. But uh, don't you do a workshop or something about how to do all the things that are happening in this book? Yes. Yes, I do. It's called the Inspired Creative Brief Workshop. It's about half a day, and I have um, a multimedia presentation with interactive, hands-on practice exercises to get your head around the problems of filling in these these boxes on the brief and we take a look at uh, at at creative that you may have already seen out in the real world and then i've got some challenges for you and you know it's a it's an 80 or 90 page workbook i i say 80 or 90 because i customize the workshop based on are you an ad agency or are you a, an in-house creative department at a client are you big are you small how, how do you function um, and it's a lot of fun. It's very interactive. The conversations go all over the place. Uh, it's, it's a very busy day. Um, and, you know, I've heard back from some of the, the, uh, the companies where I presented this Creative Brief Workshop with very positive feedback. In fact, I was hired by a senior level account planner in Miami to come down and, and talk to his, his agency. Um, and, it was, it was an intimate, it was about 12 of us. It was an intimate uh, half day uh, where we really got to talk about the nuts and bolts of the, of the brief and examine it at a real micro level. And, and they, everybody comes away with the, with, the same, with the same response. Now I have some vocabulary that I didn't have before to make it easier for me to fill out this document. And that's really what it's about, finding a common vocabulary and a common way to approach these questions because it's not about the questions it's about the answers so it's a, it's a lot of fun and you know you can find out more about it by going to my website howardibach.com and click on workshop and and I'd love to come and uh, you know work with your you know, who, you know companies and ad agencies and show them what I know and help them help them write better clearer briefs hey are you planning on doing this uh, in a virtual version or or is it uh you have to actually be there uh, on the ground to, to do the, the workshop. That's, that's a good question. Uh, right now I do it um, on the ground because I really, I, you know, as an educator, as someone who works with college students, I find that I'm a much more effective teacher when I can look someone in the eye and, and get a sense for where they are. And that's much harder to do virtually. I'm not saying that I, that won't eventually be uh, a place for me, but right now it's, it's um, boots on the ground. Cool. Hey, where else can people uh, find out about you've got you mentioned you've got uh, some blog posts happening. Where are you publishing those? Yeah, I, I, it's on my, my website, howardibach.com. I have a weekly blog post and I also have a Twitter account and Instagram account, Facebook account uh, and LinkedIn. So you can read about uh, my thoughts on the creative brief every week um, um, on my blog and you can follow me, too. So if you um it's more information than about the creative brief than you could ever imagine. There's some somebody's got to do it. I, I just happen to be the guy who who 
who uh, merge creative with process, because as a direct response guide, I'm into process as well as creative. And this document is the, the, the merging of those two worlds. So you want to know about the creative brief? Come to my blog. <laughs> hey, Howard, thanks for being on the show. Great information. It's always nice chatting with somebody from the industry. It takes me back to the old days. Uh, and for sure, I would say check out this book, How to Write an Inspired Creative Brief, second edition, so it's got even more stuff. And if you want, jump straight. If you want to know if you should read the book, just jump straight to near the back and says, go forth and dazzle. And really, that's what this is all about, going forth and getting your client to agree so you can dazzle them. Howard, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure, Bob. Thanks for the invite. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that show and do me a favor and tweet about it. Follow us on Facebook if you haven't done that already. We really appreciate it. See you next week. <laughs>